Today our world is perishing. It is literally coming undone for a scarcity of the truth. And I want you to think about this and be sure this morning, every problem we are seeing today, every problem we are facing today, every problem that is growing today is because of a scarcity of the truth. Now, there's many that may go look and they may try to plot and figure out some answers, but the, the basic answer is this. All the things we are facing today is because a, of a scarcity of the truth, whether it's the breakup of the home, whether it's the lack of workers in the workplace, whether it's a lack of integrity in the culture, whether it's child abuse or racism or division, whether it is crime or the vast growing hopelessness that we've talked about, whether it is pornography or drug addiction, all forms of abuse, all forms of injustice, whatever the problem today, the cause is a scarcity of the truth. Now, I want you to be sure and hear me this morning. I did not say a lack of the truth. I said a scarcity of the truth. You see, we have the truth. It is not a lack of the truth. We have the truth. The problem is, today no one will speak the truth. Very few will actually speak the truth. You know, the greatest shame, I was thinking about this, the greatest shame is to have the truth, to actually know and hold the truth, and yet in the fear of the world, in the fear of the schemes of Satan, to be afraid to speak it. What a terrible thing that is to have the actual truth, to hold it, and because of the world, for fear of the world, to be afraid to speak it. Well, friends, that is where we are at today. Our world is coming undone while those who hold the truth grow ever quieter. Today we're going to start a new sermon series it is going to be in nine parts, nine weeks, and we are going to seek and we are going to uphold God's truth on nine subjects. Now, when I tell you what the subjects are, you may say, well, why are you doing this? Why would you stick your neck out like this? I want to tell you this. I believe it is needed, and I believe it is necessary, and I believe God has led it, and I believe, listen to me, it will be a blessing to all who receive it. I believe this is going to be, and my prayer is these nine weeks, that they would be a blessing to all those who receive it. Now, the nine questions, are here they are. First one is this. Is the Bible still relevant today? That's where we're going to start this morning. Is the Bible still relevant today? The next one, am I saved? February 5th, am I saved? What does it mean to be saved? Can I know that I am saved. Am I saved? February 5th. The next one, what happens when you die? February 12th. What happens when you die? I'm going to talk about lost people. When they die, I'm going to talk about saved people. I'm going to talk about specific situations. What about suicide? What happens when you die? That's going to be February 12th. February 19th, is my baby in heaven? Is my baby in heaven? February 26th, what does the Bible say about abortion? A topic that's come back up again. 
Uh, not, not, we're not going to see what a Democratic response is, what a Republican response is. We're going to see what does the Bible say about abortion. That's February 26th. Is science at odds with the Bible? That's going to be March 5th. What about evolution? What about carbon dating? Isn't it silly to profess to believe this when it seems like the scientific evidence says something else? Is science at odds with the Bible? That's March 5th. What is the truth about racism? Something that, again, has come to the forefront that's very relevant. March 12th, what is the truth about racism? March 19th, what does God say about homosexuality? Something we need to decide, something we need to see what God has said, and we need to be firm in understanding what God has said. What does God say about homosexuality? And then the last one, what is the Christian response to transgenderism? I don't know that that's ever had to be a sermon that's ever preached in a church. But you know what? Our day, we better preach that sermon. What, does, what is the Christian response to transgenderism? The series is going to be called Timely Answers to Tough Questions. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. My prayer is that God will bless us as we receive his truth, his word. Timely answers to tough questions. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do several things. The first is this. I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. I'm going to ask you to pray for this effort. I'm going to ask you to pray for God's truth to go out. And maybe it's through the live stream. Maybe it's other ways. Maybe it's in guests that come in here. I'm going to ask that you would pray that God's truth would go out. And above all those things and in all those things, I'm going to ask that you pray that Christ will be glorified. You know, the answer for all these things is the glorification of Christ, the uplifting of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that you would pray. I'm going to ask that you would attend. I'm going to ask that you attend. You know what? You need to know. You need to be reminded, and you need to be settled in these truths. You don't need to be caught off guard somewhere. You need to be settled in these truths. Maybe it's a reminder for you. I'm going to ask that you attend. And the third thing I'm going to ask is that you would invite folks to listen in or you would ask folks to join us here. Invite folks to join us. These are the issues of the day. These are the issues that are floating around. And let me tell you something. God will bless his truth. God will bless those that receive it. And it is the most loving thing you could do. You say, well, I'm not asking anybody to these. Uh, oh, no, I'm not putting my name with this. You can. Listen, the most loving thing you could do is to tell your friends and your neighbors and your co-workers and those that are dealing with these issues, come and hear what God has said. It's the, the most loving, sweetest thing you could do. Today our starting place, our starting question, is the Bible still relevant? Is the Bible still relevant? We're going to start off, we're going to look at many verses today. We're going to start off with Psalm 119, Verse 105, I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word, Psalm 119, verse 105. Is the Bible still relevant today? God's word says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Listen to that again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we honor you. Lord, we, we praise you. We lift up the name of our King, our Savior, our hope, Jesus. Lord, I, I, I pray that you are honored today, that you are pleased in our worship today. Lord, I pray as we come and begin this endeavor, I pray that you would speak, not a man, not a church, not a denomination, not, not somebody's opinion, but you would speak. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear your truth and we would receive your truth. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified as we receive your truth, that it would shape us, that it would build us, that it would equip us to stand in these days until you come again. Lord, I, I pray for today. I pray that it would be your message. I pray that it would be your word. I pray, Lord, that we would drive down a stake today, that we'll be firmly settled in this issue today. And Lord, I pray again that Jesus is known through the process. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. About 2,000 years ago, there was a Roman governor. He reigned over the region of Judea. And in the course of his business, he was forced to wade through the public trial of Jesus. Now, he didn't seek that out. He wasn't thrilled about that. But in the course of his business, as his, as his reigning as this governor, he was forced to wade through the public trial of Jesus. In the process... Pontius Pilate had the authority to hear the case and declare a verdict. Now, I want you to think about that. He had the authority to assemble the testimony, to assemble the facts, and he had the authority to declare a verdict. What he decided would stand. That's how much power he had. Well, in the course of his hearing with Jesus, he comes to really a, a profound conclusion. He comes in John chapter 18, verse 38, and he asks this question. He's interviewing Jesus. He's moving through the process, and he says this. What is truth? What is truth? It's a very profound question. What is truth? A very deep question that really is the issue at hand. Now, I don't know the tone that he used when he asked that question. I don't know if he asked it in jest. I don't know if he was serious when he asked it. But really, it is the issue at hand. It was the issue then. It is the issue now as well. What is truth? When it comes to the facts of creation, what is the truth? When it comes to the definition of marriage, what is truth? Are we sure? How do we know? When it comes to the definition of marriage, what is truth? When it comes to the plan for human sexuality, what is the truth? When it comes to the very purpose of man, why are we here? What are we to do? What is truth? Now, we could go on and on, but the question is, what is truth? Well, our starting place today is this. God's word is truth. It didn't take us very long to get there this morning. Here's the point. God's word is truth. Truth. Now, we need to settle that. Let's settle that this morning. We need to get that straight. God's word is truth. In the search for the truth, we can be absolutely certain we do not have to look any further. God's word is truth. John chapter 17, Jesus has completed his teaching ministry. 
he is shortly to go to the cross of Calvary. In John chapter 17, he is praying what is called his high priestly prayer. And in verse 17, Jesus prays, he's praying to the Father, and he says, your word is truth. Folks, today we have to start right here. We have to build from right here. This has to be our foundation. God is the creator of all. God is the designer of all. God is the wisdom behind all things. God is eternal. He's before time. He's after time. He's in time, and he's outside of time. He knows all things, and therefore his word is truth. Now, I understand ever since the garden, the attack has been on the truth of God's word. That was the original attack. That's always been the case. Ever since the garden, the attack has been on the truth of God's word. Friends, I want you to understand, here we are, 2023, and it continues today. Be sure and understand that what we're dealing with, it's an attack on the truth. It's a continuation of what started in the garden, and it continues today. Today, there are people that say, well, there are some other truths. There's some other truths. Maybe this is the truth of religious practice, but there's some other truths. Or maybe there's some other truths when it comes to scientific knowledge, but, but there are some other truths. Or they would say, in these matters, this is not the truth. There are some today that would say there are many truths, that there are several truths. There's even a teaching, well, I have my truth and you have your truth. And so some would say there are many truths. There are some that would say today, and it's a growing number, who are trying not to offend folks, and they would say all truths can be true. And so you have a truth, and I have a truth, and they have a truth, and you know what? They can all equally be true. All truths, because somebody called them truth, they can be true. Well, listen to me this morning. Be very sure, be very clear. Listen to me. There is only one truth. There are not two truths. There are not several truths. There are not competing truths. There is only one truth. And the foundation is this. God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Friends, I want you to be sure, if there is an issue, if there is a question, if there is something to know, it would be silly to go anywhere but the truth, wouldn't it? We, we go over to this expert. We go over to this person. We seek this opinion. If there is a question, it is silly. It, it's really not logical to go anywhere but to the truth. Jesus says God's word is truth. Is the Bible relevant today? The starting place is this. God's word is truth. Second thing, is the Bible relevant today? Well, we need to know, we need to be ready. The world hates the truth. Be sure the world hates the truth. Is the Bible relevant today? Be sure the world hates the truth. Now, I want to tell you, I, I thought about this. Maybe this is our problem today. You see, we think if we can find the truth, that everybody's going to love it. If we find the truth, and it's really the truth, everybody's going to celebrate it. We think if we find the truth, everyone's going to embrace it, and they're going to cheer it. Oh, we have found the truth. 
And so here we are today, and we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And for sure, we don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to upset anybody. And so here's what we start saying. Well, maybe this isn't the truth. I think it's the truth, but maybe it's not the truth. We start to compromise. We start to say, well, maybe there are other truths. I'm glad I found my truth, but maybe you found your truth. Maybe there are other truths. Or we start to say, well, maybe we can both be right. We can both have truth. I'm not going to say yours is not the truth as I declare mine is, and maybe we can all be right. Or maybe we just go silent. You know what? I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to upset folks. I'm not prepared for this. I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be loved by everybody. And so we just go silent. And we're not ready. We're not braced for the fact that the world hates the truth. Listen to me. The world hates the truth. In that same section, John chapter 17, again, Jesus is having his final words with the disciples. Jesus is right before the cross. Jesus is praying his high priestly prayer. And in verse 14, he says this, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. In verse 17, moving down, it says the difference is his word. They are set apart. They are different. They are sanctified because of the word that he gave them. They're not like the world. And so the world hates them holding his word. Friends, very early in this series, and I want to tell you, there's going to be parts of this that are going to be pretty tough, but I, I, I want to say very early in this series, we need to quit looking for the approval of the world. We need to quit looking for the acceptance of the world. We need to quit trying to placate and appease a lost world. That's what it is. This world's lost. They don't have the truth, and we're trying not to offend them. We're trying to appease them. We're trying to be accepted by them. The world hates the truth. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. The world hates the truth. And therefore, the reality is they will hate the people of the truth. You want to know why Christians that stand on the truth have a hard time? They're not really worried about the people. They hate the truth, and so they got to kill the messenger of the truth. they got to disparage the messenger of the truth. The world hates the truth. I want you to go with me. I want you to think for a second. God's word is truth. Yes, we know that. God's word is truth. And because it is, now we need to start to change maybe how we see God's word. It is truth, yes. And because it is God's word, it is also good because he's good. God's word is good because he is good. God's word is wise because God is wise. God's word is steeped in love and graciousness and compassion because God is steeped in love and graciousness and compassion. And so listen to me, the loving thing is not to try and not offend the world. That's not the loving thing. The loving thing is to speak the truth of a loving, gracious God. 
That is the loving thing to do. That is the kind thing to do. The loving thing is not to say, well, I won't offend you. I'm not going to upset you. The loving thing is even at your own cost to say, God's word is good, and here is his word. Friends, that's love. Friends, that's kindness. That is goodness. Is the Bible relevant today? God's word is truth. The world hates the truth. Is the Bible relevant today? Watch this. The next thing is this. The truth will stand. The truth will stand. We can be confident. Man, that's been, that's been snuffed out of us. We can be confident today. The truth will stand. I'm going to flip over to 1 Peter. You remember when we were there? 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 23. Now listen to this. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Now verse 23, if you remember, the seed that produces salvation. It's the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And here, God's word says of itself, the seed is not perishable. Now what that means, what that translates, it is not declining. God's word's not declining. It is not decaying. It is not coming undone. It is not fading away. It is not becoming less. It is not headed for nothingness. The seed, God's word, is not perishable. No, it says it is imperishable because it is living and enduring. It means it's not declining. It is not decaying. It is not fading away. Now, practically, it means this. It is not becoming outdated. It is not becoming irrelevant. It is not losing its power. It has not lost its value. The Bible says because it is imperishable, it is living and active, the Bible says. Verse 24, and verse 24 quotes the prophet Isaiah. For all flesh, I want to read 23 again. For you've been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. Verse 25. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Today there's people and they're all over. They're gaining ground. Some of them are in churches. Some of them are standing in pulpits. And some of these folks are saying, well, that word was for their day. It's not for ours. And we could take an example from it. We can learn from it. But that word was for their day. It's not for ours. They'll say that word was relevant then in that situation, but it's not relevant in our situation. Not now. Today, people say God's word has to be adapted, has to be updated, has to be somehow freshened up and made relevant. I heard this kooky guy, and he said, it is a living word which means it is changing, and it is adapting, it is growing with the culture that we live in. 
Listen to me, that sounds crazy, but I want you to be sure today, the predominant thought today on the Bible is this. This is a book from antiquity. The predominant thought, this is an ancient book from antiquity. The predominant thought is this is a book that has become outdated. It may have been valuable at some context at some point, but it's not today. The predominant thought is this is a book that does not speak to the issues of life today. And so we can look at it. We might learn some moral truth from it, but it does not speak to the issues of life today. That is being preached today. And I want to tell you this morning, anyone who says that, are you listening Anyone who says the book has to be updated, changed, adapted, added to, subtracted from to be relevant to our day, anyone who says that of this book is not being instructed by this book because God, the author of this book, says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever and the truth of God's word stands today. Praise the Lord, his word stands today. His word is relevant today. It speaks to life issues today. It is pertinent for us today. Yes, it is relevant today. Now let's think for a minute. Why is that? Do you know nothing else is like that? Nothing else can match that description? Why is that? Why is it like that? How can we be sure? Let me give you two reasons. There may be more. Let me give you two reasons. First reason is this. God's word is sure. God's word is relevant today. Number one, because God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Our God, the Bible says the same yesterday, today, and forever, tomorrow. Our God is not learning He didn't learn anything today. He didn't learn anything last week. He's not growing. He's not developing. He's not getting better. He's not getting worse. He's not declining. He is not adjusting. He doesn't say, well, that's some new information. Well, I didn't expect that that would happen. Well, I didn't see that coming. And he's adapting. No. He is the same. Our God does not change. And because he does not change, his word does not change. Second reason is this. Like God, the truth doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. By nature and definition, the truth is the truth. And being true, it remains the truth. The truth does not change. Let me give you an example. That sounds kind of crazy. The truth being true is always true. The truth doesn't change. Let me give you an example of that. What if I told you Carrie and I got married on January 4th, 1997? What if I told you that? We got married. When did we get married? January 4th, 1997. And that is what happened, and that is how it happened, and that is when it happened. And it is recorded. You can go to, I think, the Potter County up there, and it is recorded in the public record. You might go to that church, and it's recorded in the church record. There was a preacher that was there. There were witnesses that were there. Some of y'all were there. We went to that day unmarried. We left that day married. We were married on January 4th, 1997. 
And that is the truth. We got married on January 4th, 1997. You know what that'll never be? That'll never be untrue. That we, may, we may get in a fight and wish it hadn't happened. Her parents may say, what in the world married that guy? We may move on. We may forget. We may get dementia. We may pass away. But I want to tell you what you won't change. You won't change the fact that the truth is we got married on January 4th, 1997. You know why it doesn't change? Because the truth cannot change. It does not change. And so listen to me today. God's word is truth and God's word stands and it is living and it's active and it's enduring. And because of that, it is perfectly relevant today. How do you order your home in 2023? I'm going to tell you God's word's relevant. A lot of folks got a messed up home because they didn't think it was relevant. How, how do you handle your finances in 2023? It's a long time from when this was written. Listen, God's word is relevant. We go to God's word. How do you live to honor God in 2023? Surely it's different than this day. God's word is relevant. Go to God's word. Is the Bible relevant today? Friends, it is perfectly relevant today. I was thinking about that, and I, I thought about a promise. Thousands of years ago, thousands of years old promise, an ancient promise, and I want to read it to you. Psalm 1 says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. God's word holds true. He blesses those that will live according to his truth. Thousands of years ago, those that don't will perish. They'll, they'll suffer hardship. God's word stands today. Is God's word relevant today? Yes, his word is relevant today. All right, all that, and we get to this point. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? I want you to think about this. This is really the point of the whole message. Why does it matter? John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, He is the truth. Now listen to me, why does this matter? Why does it matter? Why does Satan care? You ever wonder that? Why does Satan care? Why does the world care? Why don't they go about and do their own thing? Why does the world care? Why should we care today as the church? Why should we care? Why does it matter? Friends, listen to me very carefully. 
It's because if you miss the truth, you miss Jesus. Do you see that? If you miss the truth, you miss Jesus. That's why it matters. If you miss the truth, Jesus is the truth and you miss Jesus. You asked the question this morning, is the word of God still relevant today? Folks are asking all across the world, still today, is it relevant still today? Look at all the changes. Is it still relevant today? I asked the question this morning, is Jesus still relevant today? Is Jesus still relevant today? Friend, I want to tell you in 2023, he is still the Savior, the only one that went to the cross of Calvary to pay for our sin. I want to tell you in 2023, he is still the hope, the only hope of ruined sinners. I want to tell you in 2023, he is still the way, the only way to have peace and fellowship with God. He is still the life. Everything else ends in death. And so listen, all these years later, I call you this morning, come to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Do you see? It's it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Is the word of God relevant today? If you mess up the one, you'll miss the other. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's a trick of Satan to make us miss Jesus. It's a hatred of the world for the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Answers today is yes, the truth will hold. And yes, the truth is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today, we praise you. We thank you. I'm thankful that we have truth today. I'm thankful that we're not out like a bunch of investigators trying to rattle around and dig up something and find the truth. We have the truth. Lord, I'm thankful the truth is this. There is a gracious God. There is a compassionate God. He is an infinitely wise God. He is a compassionate God to sinners. And he sent his only begotten son. I'm thankful the truth is Jesus. Come from heaven. Live as a perfect lamb. Die my death. Risen from the dead. Standing in victory. The way of salvation. The hope of lost sinners. I'm thankful for the truth today. Lord, I pray that we would bask in your truth. I pray that we would uphold your truth. I pray, Lord, for lost folks that they would receive your truth today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you didn't leave us without a witness, but you left us with the truth. Lord, I pray that today bears fruit. And I pray that today there's an anchor that's been set. And I pray that there's a confidence that has been born. And I pray, Lord, as we march off into a world that would deny your word, even this very day that we would say, God's word stands, his word is truth. And Lord, I pray the fruit of that is that Jesus will be known, Jesus will be received, and Jesus will be glorified. Lord, as we close out this service, I ask that you would work. I pray, Lord, as others are considering these words, that you would work. I pray the result will be, again, a marvelous turning to Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. We worship you, and we lay this at your feet. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, God gives us the truth because he wants us to know Jesus. It's as simple as that. Now, I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you. He sees you. He sees your hopeless condition in your sin, lost and perishing in your sin. He loves you so much. He's so compassionate. 
that he sends his only begotten son. He comes, he lives a life, he never sins. Because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer himself in my place, in your place. He's able to go as our lamb. That's what he does on the cross of Calvary. There he pays the price, the penalty for sin. It's settled in Jesus. It's finished in Jesus. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he walks out of that grave. and He stands as the risen lamb, the risen savior, the hope of sinners. The Bible says if you will trust that, you shall be saved. Not a myth, not a superstition. That's the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you will trust Jesus for your salvation, claiming him as your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says you shall be saved. If you've never done that, do that right now. If you're considering that, let me tell you, that's, that's the good news of, of a gracious God. Receive it right now. Turn to Jesus right now. He'll save you right now. We're going to close the time of invitation. If that is your decision, you come. Let's settle that today. If you're considering it and you need more information, you come. Let's settle it today. Let's take care of that today. Don't walk out of the service without, without it settled. A finished faith and a finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we come and we, 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 we ask that you move. We ask that you work. We ask that you speak. We give you this time. We trust it to you. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please.